Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to On the Rise a podcast about female college tennis players on the way up. On the Rise serves compelling stories and unique angles in women's college tennis. This is your host, Perry Shinen. In this episode of On the Rise, I will be speaking with Baylor University junior, Alicia Herrera-Lignana, who earned all Big 12 second team honors after an undefeated stint at number three singles this past spring. Led by head coach Joey Scrivano and assistant coach Lenka Brusova, Alicia helped lead the Bears to a second-round run in the 2021 NCAA Team Championship. Hi, welcome to On the Rise podcast. I'm here with Alicia Herrera-Lignana from Baylor University. She's going to be a senior. Hi, Alicia. How are you? So good. So nice to see you again and to be here talking about my experience at Baylor. So great to see you as well. So let's kick it off with the question of how did you come to Baylor? So, yeah, I think that coming to Baylor or coming to America is like a dream for me because I'm from Spain, from a little, little town. It's like 3,000 something people living there. So I started playing tennis, super lucky that someone gave me a racket one day. And after that, I felt that I was like eight, nine years old, I think. It was pretty late because my cousin, for example, She's, she was really good at tennis and she was already competing, you know, and and it was really serious for her. And I was just starting. So when I started, I felt that in two, three years, I got so much better and I started competing and feeling that pressure. And I saw that I could really improve and do great things in this sport, you know. And after some years, I got into a boarding school in Spain. They gave me a scholarship so I could go and still practice and get educated in a school there. So I had the chance to be there for five, six years practicing with athletes. I think the, the ambient, the atmosphere was great for me to grow as a person and as an athlete. And after those years, I chose to come to America because I didn't want to really stop uh, studying because in Spain is not really, it's not easy for athletes that want to keep growing in their sports to study at the same time. It's really difficult. So I was like, okay, I cannot just be focused on tennis. I need to grow in other parts of my life. It's not just about tennis. So I decided to come to America. You know, you never know. You come to America, it's a different language, different culture. Everything is different because here you play with a team and normally in Spain, I used to play everything for myself. So I needed to change my chip, you know, my mind, my everything. And I think that helped me grow, you know, as a person and as a tennis player. And yeah, I'm super grateful to, to be here. I think that my relationship with my coaches and my teammates improved so much since I came here. Because my first year, I was not eligible. I was not able to play. So it was hard for me, my teammates and coaches 
But this last year, I was able to compete and it was amazing. Wow. That is all just so incredible. You said you grew as a person and I'm wondering, because you also grew as a tennis player, what do you think grew more? I think everything goes together. You grow as a person and that helps you growing on the court because the more experience you got with relationships, with how to handle problems and responsibilities out the court, you're going to be able to uh, go through it and do a better job on the court, you know. So I think that those challenges to go to class and don't understand anything about the lesson the, the professor was giving or don't understand the dynamic of the practice when Joey at first was explaining everything, you know, and getting used to it and trying your best to uh, to improve. That's what helped me in the tennis court as well, you know. Right. And really talking about going a little bit back into your childhood and growing up, would you be comfortable sharing really your, your situation and did you face financial pressure? Yeah, of course. That's why I also chose to come to America because I knew that it was so much pressure for me and for my family to pay everything, tournaments, coaches, physio, traveling, flights, hotels, food, everything was it was a big charge for my family. So I knew that for for me to play my best level inside the court, I couldn't be focusing on that pressure, you know. I So in that moment, I felt like, okay, I think it's better for me if I get some help. Because I feel that when I, when I decided to come here, I was not at my top level, you know. I was not yet ready to go and play pro and do amazing, you know, and reach my goals. And here in America, international students, student athletes are super grateful because we have here everything that we don't have back home, you know. So it was, yeah, of course, I had to face that problem. I think most of the tennis players face it at some point, you know. It's just you need to make the right decision in that moment and see what what you can do, you know. Did you ever have a moment when you weren't sure if tennis was going to be in your future? Yeah, of course. I think many times. Because this sport is really, really hard. One day you see that, okay, you can you see your goals close. And next day you get injured and you see it like a huge mountain. You know, so I think you need really to improve mentally and know how to handle all, all those problems, you know, that you're going to have in your way because you you get older and you you want to you want to see that you're reaching your goals and sometimes one season you get injured or something happens and you you didn't get the results that you were expecting you know so then you ask yourself wow now I'm 20 years old or I'm 19 and I thought I should be 500 in the world already and I'm not and I'm facing a huge injury in my shoulder or my wrist how I'm going to handle this, you know? And and at that point, you are not even winning, like earning money, you know, you're not getting money, you know? So it's all against you. So that's where you sit and you really have to talk with your pillow and have those conversations, you know, deep conversations with yourself. But obviously, I think almost every tennis player or every athlete had these problems, you know, during their career. That's something normal. Right. And so you were able to fortunately secure this scholarship. And how did that come about? 
when I met the coaches, even though they know that I was not going to be eligible, they invested on me for a long term. You know, I think that we had a really good first impression of ourselves and um, they saw that I was super grateful for the opportunity that even though I was not able to play my first year and probably fourth year, I was super excited to help. They met my family also, you know, and they saw what kind of people was at home with me, you know, and I think that gave them the security, you know, that I will be good and I will be, I will match the culture of the team and the direction that the team was going. And so kind of moving forward, you're a senior. So after you play in college, kind of what do you, what next? What did you major in and what do you want to do with that degree? I'm majoring in corporate communications and taking two minors, one in business administration and another one in entrepreneurship. And right now we're at the point that I just have one more year left. I think that if I'm lucky and I can get, I don't know, like half more year to be here and helping the team, you know, I would like to be an assistant student or I don't know how they call this. And after that, obviously, I want to try to play pro. So I'm going to work as hard as I can this year, get ready mentally, physically, and then we will see what happens. You you never know. And do you feel like during your years at college, there's been more pressure on you because you had that end goal of playing professionally? Probably. <laughs> I think that at the end of the day, um, when you're in a team, even if your perspective is playing pro or just getting your degree and graduate from a good school as Baylor, um, you still have that pressure, you know, that you want to win for your team and you will do anything that takes to make the team happy. Really that selfless aspect of being on a tennis team. I mean, it's all of these individual players that come together on a team. And obviously, I mean, tennis is an individual sport, but I mean, it's played as a team in college. So do you think tennis is a team sport? I would say 50-50, but if I have to choose... Is a team sport? Yeah, it is. Because when you see, for example, Roger Federer or Rafa Nadal, what you see is they playing alone on the court. But you know that they're in their box. They have all that people that is after them, you know, and is taking care of them, their mental health, their nutrition, their physique, you know, their tennis, their technique. So I think that what we see is that tennis is an individual sport, but it really is not, is not a really individual sport, you know, because you have all that people that you need around you in order for you to give your best on the court. Right. And how did you rely on your team during that year when you first came in and you had to sit? Wow. It was hard, but at the same time, I was still supporting the team and sending messages via WhatsApp or anything we could, you know, support them and let them know that even though you cannot play and help them with the score, you are still there and you still want that team to improve, you know. And I was feeling those losses and those wins as they were, even though I was not playing, you know. As a whole, does your team have mental health support? Yes, we have Miss Marshville. I went uh, see her a couple times and talk about my experience, you know, because I think it's really important to to talk about how you're feeling always, you know, or even if you don't talk it, just 
uh, get a piece of paper and write it down. You know, that helps you be calm and helps you know how you're feeling, you know. And how does it work with your teammates? Do you all live together? Well, yeah, we try to live together. Right now, since the freshmen need to uh, live together in a place on campus, we're living next to them, you know, so they, they are at the building next to us. So we, we're the closest we can be because I think it's really important, you know, because the more time we spend together, the more we know each other. And when we have an argument or something, if you don't live with that person, you can just push it back, you know, and okay, it's fine, I'm I'm going home and that's going to disappear, you know. But since you are living with that person, when you come back home, you still have to face that, you know. So it's pushing you in a challenging way. It's good, you know, because you have to have a good relationship with your teammates, yes or yes, because you have to live with them, you know. So I think it has, it's, it's really positive that we're doing this as a team. So you told me about how you just went home and could you just tell us all about a little bit about that experience and what that felt like? So every time I fly back home, when the plane is already on the air, I'm already crying, you know, because I'm super excited to go back home. So I think it's that feeling is never going to change every time I go back home, obviously. And yeah, I like to spend a lot of time with my sisters because they are growing so fast and I'm not next to them to help them, you know, and go through their childhood and this period of their time, of their lives. I really like to wake up and walk my dog and spend time with my parents. Since they work so many hours, I try to stay up late. And when they come from work, I, I try to have a tea or a coffee with them or watch just a TV program or something with them, you know. But it was super, super good to, to be there with them. It was like fresh air for me coming back home. Yeah, I think it was super, super nice to be back home, to be honest. That's lovely. And what do your parents do for a job? My mom works for Inditex, is a clothing company, and it's really, really popular in Europe. And my dad used to work so many hours driving a truck and driving food for the supermarkets and all that stuff. So, yeah. Wow, a lot of hours, I'm sure. Was he away from home a lot? Sometimes, yeah, because he used to work at 3 a.m. He was leaving home and then coming at... 1 a.m. in the morning next day, you know, and stuff like that. And then also my mom is a really busy person because she started studying English. So when she has free time, she helps people in Spain to learn English. So it's amazing. They are really busy people and they love their what, what they do. You know, they're really passionate about it. That's amazing. And so moving on to your WTA career, which you have already made prize money on tour, which... For everyone that is that is not aware, that is an extremely difficult thing to make even $1. You've made $11,000. Now, are you allowed to keep that? Well, before I came to college, yes. And that's why the NCAA didn't give me those four years of eligibility because I was competing and I was receiving prize money. But now that I'm here in college, no, I can't since I have a scholarship, but it's fine. It's worth it. You know, it's worth it. At the end of the day, I prefer to be here at Baylor and don't, don't get that money from the WTA circuit and be here, you know, it's fine. I see. And a question about really you, not just on the court, but off the court, are you more afraid of success or failure? Mm, 
just this morning, we were talking about it, Lenka, the assistant coach and me. And we were talking about how difficult it is to be successful in this, li- in this life, you know, in this world is really, really difficult because just the other day they were publishing that Naomi Osaka did a documentary on Netflix about her life and how she's struggling because she's not playing right now on the tour because she needed to take a break for all that pressure, you know, all the people that is causing her pressure, you know. But I think I'm, I'm not afraid of failure because I think that failure is what helps you, you know, is what helped me grow. And sometimes you, you really need that failure in your life so you improve. And I think I'm more used to failure right now than be successful. <laughs> Same, trust me, same. <laughs> but I mean, what what a Billie Jean King always says that pressure is a privilege. But at the same time, what an immense burden pressure can be. And Naomi Osaka has shown us that and has been brave enough to really open up. And something that I want to achieve in this podcast, but in the sports media world as well, is just really elevating those athletes that are brave enough to talk about mental health and talk about those struggles. Yeah. Super important to talk about the struggles, I feel like, because if you want to move on and keep improving in your life and your mental health, you need to really write it down, talk it out loud and then pass, pass, pass and go through it. You know, is the, the best way to improve, of course. Right. And I know that you love sports documentaries and sports memoirs. So could you share with us what are some of your favorites? Well, more more documentaries. I read books, for example, about Pau Gasol. When I first came to America, because he's a NBA player and he's from Spain. So when I knew that I was coming to America, I bought his book and I read about it because it was super exciting for me to to read and to know about a guy that was from Spain and came to America and was that successful, you know. So I read about Pau Gasol. I read about many, how you say, F1 drivers racers yes formula one racing of yes mm-hmm. stuff like that because i feel that those guys are amazing like it's crazy how focused they need to be and how prepared because they are playing with their lives every time they drive you know that car also i read about rafa nadal obviously he's my idol i read a lot about him and i also read about him and Federer, their relationship, how they made history in this sport, you know. So, yeah, more or less, uh, I really like that. I read Agassi, Open, the, the book. But, yeah, I love biographies. And I think that helps me to see what their, their perspective were and that they are human, too, you know. Even though we think they are machines, they are human. So I, I really like to read about them. I agree. And... I feel like as well, HBO's series on Serena Williams was incredible and something that just really it. I have always looked up to Serena and everything that she's accomplished both on and off the court. But that documentary really took me behind the scenes and showed me her daily life and and more struggles. And it was just very eye opening. Yeah, I watched that and it was just amazing how she she has to handle all that pressure you know of being a mom and then she she wanted to keep playing tennis and obviously being a female your your body changes is not the same when you have a child you know and you start getting ready again for the tour it's not the same and you're playing against girls that are super ambitious and super young and you just 
gave birth, you know, it's super, super crazy how she did it. And yeah, she's one of my favorite players, obviously. Agreed. And so moving forward about your impact, you know, both on and off the court. And so you studied communications and you studied corporate communications. Now, would you be interested in really moving into the sports world with communications? Of course. Sometimes when I'm at home and I'm watching tennis matches with my parents, they say, you should be the one talking there, you know? And I'm like, yes, I don't, I, I, I can see me doing that, you know, because I really enjoy watching tennis. Because the other day I was uh, talking to a friend and he said, you are, you know, a lot about uh, tennis, but you should learn about more sports. So I think that will be challenging for me. So I could have the chance to learn about other sports, you know? Well, this has been so wonderful to have you today. And is there really anything else that you'd like to touch on today? Well, no, just thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to speak and really talk about my story, you know, because normally I don't talk about this to many people, you know. And yeah, it's amazing. I'm super grateful to be here learning English, practicing my English with someone as amazing as you. And yeah, I'm super grateful for this opportunity and to be here in America and learn from everyone here. Thank you so much, Perry. My name is Alicia Herrero and I am on the rise. And this is your host, Perry, and this has been another episode of On the Rise podcast. This has been an episode of On the Rise, a tennis channel podcast in partnership with Behind the Racket and produced by Molly Schulson. Join us next time to continue our conversation about women's college tennis. This is Perry Shining on the rise.